Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, has its spiritual home. Ours is a community created by all those who walk through our doors. And we welcome you, whoever you are, whatever you are, however you are, this Sunday morning. As Unitarians, we value the diversity of the paths of faith and belief we humans take through life. Our banner here shows symbols from many religions, and we value them all for the perspective they bring. But in this community of spirit, we encourage one another to explore, to explore our own perspectives. And we gather here to connect, to connect with ourselves, with one another, and with something greater than ourselves. To put to one side, perhaps, our burdens or our grievances, our fixed ways of thinking and being, and instead to open ourselves to the possibility of inspiration, our inner wisdom, perhaps, that can encourage us to move forward in life, accepting what is and making the best of all that we've been given. So let's take a moment now to take a conscious breath, gently breathing in and out. And as we breathe, increasing our awareness of being here now together with one another in this present moment, a time of potential, a time of possibility. Catholic priest Henri Nguyen wrote that we must learn to live each day, each hour, yes, each minute, as a new beginning, as a unique opportunity to make everything new. Imagine that we could live each moment as a moment full of new life. Imagine that we could live each day as a day full of promises. Whatever the challenges we face, May this be a day of promise for us all. Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities around the world light a simple chalice flame such as this. We light it as a symbol of our faith, that by its light may our vision be illumined, by its warmth, May our fellowship be encouraged, and by its flame, may our yearnings for peace, justice, and the life of the Spirit be enkindled. Today's service is about Zoroastrianism, as as you may have noticed, and and hopefully you received a, a little quiz and a word search as you came in. This was an effort to keep us all awake and to expand knowledge of certain complex spellings of names. Um, So feel free to engage with that at any time in the service and let this be a lesson to everybody when setting a word search. Keep a note of where you put the words because I've lost them now. So your guess is as good as mine as to where those 14 words are hidden. And um, little is known about Zoroaster. He was a prophet, he founded a new religion which became the state religion of the Persian Empire for over a thousand years. 
Zoroaster is the Greek spelling of his name, which in Persian is Zarathustra. He had a religious awakening, which led him to found the world's first monotheistic religion, worshipping one god called Ahura Mazda, rather than the many gods of polytheism. And legend has it that Zarathustra left his hometown because his new ideas were so unpopular, and he started a community. A chance encounter with the Emperor Vishtap, um, emperor of a neighbouring land of Bactria, which is now in northern Afghanistan, that encounter now led to the um, new religion being widely known and practised, a religion to this day noted for its ethical approach to life. And this is just one of the legends involving Zarathustra. It's said that uh, there was a great king, Vishtasp. He had immense wealth, he he had many victories to his name. And one day he was returning to his capital from the provinces when his entourage passed an orchard of exceptional beauty. The land all around the orchard was desolate and it was clear to those travellers that the, the cultivating of that land had been way beyond the abilities of most people. They must have had great wisdom, the emperor thought. So Vishtasp turned to a minister travelling with him and inquired about the orchard and its people. And the minister told Vishtasp that it was led by the renowned sage Zarathustra. Now, the king had heard of this wise man and his growing fame, So he decided to invite Zarathustra to his palace to answer questions which the king's many advisers hadn't been able to answer to his satisfaction. And so when he was brought before the king, he was asked to discuss how a person could gain wisdom. Zarathustra said, I don't actually have the time to stay here and tell you this. Um, but let me give you this. And he gave the king a grain of wheat. He said that the grain of wheat had been his own teacher and had the answer to many questions. And with that, he was off back to his orchard. Now, the king felt annoyed with Zarathustra's response, but on the chance that the grain had some magical properties, he carefully put it in a gold box. And every day he opened the gold box and he looked at the grain, trying to find the answers to his questions. And every day he was none the wiser. So after some months of frustrated staring at a grain of wheat, the king decided to visit the sage once more. He showed him that grain in the gold box and asked him, what lesson am I supposed to learn from this? Whereupon Zarathustra said, What would have happened if instead of placing the grain in a gold box, you had planted the grain so it could receive food and water? And together, they reflected on the many lessons they can learn from that simple act. First, in order to grow and transform, the grain would need to be removed from the gold box and grounded in the earth. As with the grain the king realised that he needed to step out of his comfortable surroundings. Then, in the same way, the innumerable forces of nature would flow towards the grain to nurture its growth. So would he be nurtured with knowledge and understanding. The grain was only as apt to teach as the king was ready to learn. The answers to the many questions had laid around him. The ability to understand them and grow within, lay within him. 
Instead of just seeing, he would now observe. Instead of just hearing, he would listen. And instead of demanding answers from others, he would develop his own mind and seek answers through insight. And at that, King Vishtasp's quest for wisdom had begun. I think we are all on a similar path, aren't we? Of going beyond staring at the grain. Would you join me now in a time of prayer and reflection? As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here today. For many people, both within this community and in the wider world, this has not been an easy few weeks. And so let us think in loving sympathy of all those we know for whom life is a struggle. In particular, we remember those whose lives have been so affected by the typhoon in the Philippines, as well as those dealing with daily difficulties all around our world, especially those caught up in violence in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan and Nigeria. Let us think of our own struggles and challenges with kindness and forgive ourselves for all the times when we've been less than we would want to be in the last week. We heard of the grain of wisdom that needs to be planted if wisdom is to grow and flourish. I wonder what you are ready to plant in the soil of your own being. What calls you to dig deeper in life? Are there perhaps some areas in your own life where you may be missing the message or keeping your potential locked up in a box? rather than allowing it the nourishment needed to grow. And when we think we know the truth, may we remember that it is only our truth, true from our perspective. May we be ever aware that there is more to this existence than we can ever know. And be therefore more curious and gentle and playful travellers on these paths of life. Let's spend a short time in silence now sending our own thoughts and prayers where we think they are most needed.
And may this day be made a little brighter and lighter because we exist. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Zoroastrian tradition teaches that good and evil are battling for supremacy in the world and within each human being. The world has many imperfections, but human beings, through our individual choices, can help good prevail. And I think that message comes out really well in this reading um, from uh, Richard Gilbert, a UUA minister. The earth ball is not a perfect orb, we are told, but flattened at the poles by simply spinning. Some cosmic law denies it perfection. Seasons come and go dependably, but not always on schedule. Global forces are too complex for perfection. There was not a model of perfection when evolutionary forces conspired to produce the likes of you and me. We inherit the imperfection of creation. We are the flawed products of its incomplete workings. The fault line of existence cuts through us and all we create as if to remind us of the incompleteness of creation. History blunders on under our imperfect guidance, more hill and valley to the unknown than smooth transcending to envisioned heights. We partake of incompleteness, having only partially eaten the apple of knowledge. We are burdened with the paradoxical complexity to contemplate perfection while shackled with modern wisdom. We are inheritors of finite bodies whose brains consider the infinite. We ponder eternal life from temporary existence. We contemplate absolute good, even as we harm our neighbours. We are flawed creatures in a broken world. Just one question. How then do we choose to live this way? I know you don't need to hear too much about the difficulties of my job, but uh, one of the great anxieties of being minister of a church community is that one day it will become apparent just how little we know. And so before I delve into today's subject of Zoroastrianism, can I just ask if anyone knows more about this ancient religion than I do, could you come up and join me now at, at the reading desk, if only to help me with some of the pronunciations, which I'm clearly struggling with. 
And for those of you who know as little as I do, I hope the word search and quiz that came with today's order of service will be helpful at least in clarifying some of the spellings. There are two, not one, but two exhibitions about Zoroastrianism on in London at the moment. Yet having visited both of them, there's still a lot I don't understand. But what is clear is that this is still very much a living religion, albeit small. It's estimated to have around 200,000 followers worldwide, with main communities in Iran, where it began, and in India, where its followers are called Parsis. Like many religions, it links religious beliefs with culture and communities. Its followers are very proud of its traditions, and they've weathered many storms of persecution over the centuries. Their practices and their beliefs have been oft-times misunderstood. They've also influenced mainstream culture over the centuries. That lovely song that we heard uh, just a while ago from Mozart's opera, The Magic Flute, is evidence of a, a widespread interest in Zoroastrian names and imagery and teachings. You may have heard of philosopher Nietzsche's work, Thus Spake Zarathustra, There's bound to be someone here who's read it. Or a a piece of music of the same name, written by Richard Strauss. In German, I'll wager. (laughs) One of the exhibitions on in London at present is called The Eternal Flame. And this refers to the sacred flame that burns constantly in every Zoroastrian fire temple or agery. If you look at the photo on the front of today's order of service... You can perhaps see why Westerners who first met the Parsis in India wrongly described them as fire worshippers, as many of their rituals and their traditions centre around fire. But for them, the flame is not God. It's a manifestation of the divine, a, a purifying element. And water, too, plays a part in their ceremonies. But to a Zoroastrian, God is expressed in every aspect of creation. Their sacred flame reminds me of our Unitarian chalice and of our candles of joy and concern. And I know that some of us light a candle when we want to focus in meditation or to remember loved ones. Another of Zoroastrianism's key teachings is dualism, the idea that good and evil, represented by their god, Ahura Mazda, and by the force of evil known as Aramanyu or Ariman, They're locked in battle together for our world. Human beings have an important part to play in this process, for we have been given free will and we can choose how to behave. We will be judged when we die, not only on our behaviour, but also on our thinking and our speaking. Good thoughts, good words, good deeds, they are the pillars of their ethical teachings. Now, such teachings may seem obvious to us today, but they were revolutionary for their time. And as the state religion of Persia, Zoroastrianism can be credited with making that great empire a more enlightened regime over many centuries. When later persecution led a Zoroastrian group to move to India, this most ethical of religions had a profound influence on the Emperor Akbar, who promoted religious tolerance and philosophical debate amongst his subjects in India. In modern-day Iran, the Zoroastrians are a small group, but they're once more tolerated. 
Their symbol of a a winged figure, it's on the quiz sheet, um, is nationally recognised as an ancient Persian symbol. It's got many, many meanings, but it represents a winged guardian angel and also the importance of choosing to face the right direction in life, choosing good over evil whenever we can. Now, Zoroastrianism was the religion of the Persian state in biblical times, and it's clear that when the Jews were exiled in Babylon, those two religions encountered and influenced one another. And this encounter continued with the early Christian community, hence some of these similarities of tradition and belief. If you have a look at the quotation that's at the bottom of the order of service today, this is a a prophecy from Zoroaster himself. You may recognise some of its imagery. When I return, you will see a new star in the east. Follow it, and thou wilt find me there, cradled in straw. I find that fascinating. When you think of the Christian story of Jesus' lowly birth in a stable, visited by the Magi, wise men from afar, thought by many to represent Zoroastrian priests. And at the end of today's service, we're going to hear that um, lovely choral piece, The Three Kings, from uh, Peter Cornelius. It's been fascinating for me to find out more about Zoroastrianism this week. And as I said, it's left me aware of how little I know. But I've gained a sense of how much influence this ancient religion has had on Western thought and belief, with its powerful imagery of heaven and hell, and its emphasis on our choosing a path of goodness in life. Polytheistic religions, the the worshipping of many gods, were noted for their need to appease those gods in some way. In Zoroastrianism, a new emphasis lies in our human free will, our ability to choose how to live the lives that we are given, a choice that we're fortunate, aren't we, to have to this day. Let's choose well. Amen. And so, let us step out into the week ahead with peace, love and justice in our hearts, cherishing life's gifts as the oft-times undeserved blessings of our existence. Go well. Amen. And blessed be.